Hi, everyone. Max Brodos of LAFC, Nico Cantor of TUDN. And Nico, this weekend, Univision was supposed to have LAFC Chicago Fire. As we all know, we can't have that game, but we've come up with something pretty good to hopefully fill that void. Yeah, Max, I hope people will enjoy this, uh, staying at home, watching, reminiscing, and I think today we're going to have a fun chat. We'll be joined by Bob Bradley, head coach of LAFC, Risto Stoichkov, legendary player, and then also Mike Sorber and Ante Razov. And Nico, the question, they all were teammates in 2000, so we're going to be going down memory lane a, a good amount here. Should be a fun conversation. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited about this. For everybody who saw them play, for everybody who didn't see them play, it's going to be very fun. Great. And Nico's going to be doing double duty translating Risto. So uh, sit back and enjoy this really cool conversation. So, Christo, we're going to try to talk football, little Barcelona, little Chicago yes. Fire, this kind of stuff. Some stories, but also some football ideas, that kind of thing, all right? Yeah. In 2000, we had the press conference, Soldier Field, to announce uh, Christo Stoichkov comes to the Chicago Fire. And then the two of us got on the plane to go to Florida to, see the, to meet the team. You remember this? Yeah, of course, Mr. I'm... Uh, First is I'm, I'm very, very happy to stay together because it's a big pleasure for me. You understand that after the, the Barcelona, I stay eight years in Barcelona and come in Chicago. And, and after this years, eight years in Barcelona, <coughs> I'm coming to Chicago because you like me. How many years ago? You like I'm coming to play in Chicago. On the plane, we had the notebook, and we were scribbling, and you were showing me ideas of what to have with Barcelona. And one of the things you said to me was, when you play with Laudrup, okay, that neither one of you would play in the middle, right? That you didn't like to have someone playing next to the central defenders, and you would always tell Laudrup to go to the other side. You remember? Yeah, of course. So this is the switch. You, you, you work for the, 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 this moment and, and Josh Wolf, the movement, the Josh Wolf, the movement, the, the Marcus Beasley, I'm going inside, the Marcus Beasley or Diego Guterres come behind me and, and outside. But when you arrived, then you were always, Ante, what was he telling you? Go to the other side, same as Laudrup, right? Yeah, no, yeah. It, was a, it was a very interesting... Uh... It was the first time I've ever heard it. And yeah, he said he was standing on the left and he goes, Ante, go stand on the right. And I looked at him like, what, are you crazy? And he goes, no, no, it's okay. Go to the right side. And so we just, nobody in the And wait, and he goes, don't move. And so that was just, that so, was strange. Another boy, another boy. Nico. But, but I understood. You would, you would said to me, that when the central defenders don't have anybody to mark, they get very nervous. Yeah. And now we find moments to find the spaces to go. And then Peter can be the one sometimes to join us coming forward. And so some of those ideas, maybe you call it a false nine, but those ideas of having very good attackers but not having them stand right together in the middle, I remember the discussion. And then I remember so much how then you would try to help Josh Wolf or uh, Ante with some of these ideas. That was a big part of our team. Yo, Mr. Intendi, yo, Mr. Intendi, jugando con Peter Novak, era más fácil de explicar a Ante, explicar a Josh, explicar a Dima, explicar a Damarcos, cómo tenemos que movernos cuando nosotros tenemos balón. Yeah, so he was just saying that he understood playing alongside Peter Novak that how could he, he could explain to all these other players how all these movements work. I mean, it, it sounds so complex between coach and star player. It, it's just quite incredible to see how you guys were on the same wavelength and, and trying to come up with something just from, from the moments that you guys met. Mike, you arrived. Were you there at the beginning of preseason, or you no, came in no. a little later? Yeah, yeah, uh, I came after, in later. Mike, Mike, Mike Sober come after uh, after two two years after, no, Mike? 
No, 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 no. I, I, came, I came in 2000, Crystal, but you had already played your first game, and I think you scored the first free kick against Dallas. The, the oh, free kick was against D.C. D.C. United. D.C. United. So, yeah, I came in, and uh, here's a guy, Cristo, from Barcelona. Uh, you know, I had played with some good American players and Donadoni from Italy, but nobody of uh, Stoichkov's mentality or quickness and power and, and skill. It was incredible. I had always played against these guys, but not with this guy. No, para mí, Mike era fácil de jugar. Eh, digamos, con, con la experiencia o de Peter Novak, la experiencia de, de Lubos Kubik, experiencia, era fácil de, de, de juntarnos todos juntos, porque no solo, como he dicho antes, no solo es hora de jugar un partido, porque nosotros fuimos primeros digamos, la, la gente con más experiencia de estar con los jóvenes, de ayudar a este equipo que sea un equipo ganador. Y para, para yeah. mí, sí. So, he basically is saying that with all these people of experience, like Novak, like Kubik, it was easy playing with you, Mike, because uh, you guys just understood each other. Having that balance of, of experienced players, it kind of just fit to be this winning team Uh, with the younger guys. Era, era, era Mr. Fácil porque en medio campo de Chicago Fire era un equipo muy, muy competitivo, un equipo con mucha garra. Yep. Chris Armas, Jesse Marsh, Mike, Dima, Peter, yo cuando entraba dentro en, en medio campo, era un equipo muy competitivo. O sea, no tenemos miedo de jugar en contrario equipo contrario tiene mucho mejor very competitive you know we we had good teams we had good players uh i also remember early in the season you know we had the the locker room in lake forest and you know i had the little tv on the on the little bench and i'm always with the videos and one day you brought in a video to show everyone remember this video yeah what was it <laughs> Este video era Stoichkov de... Highlights. It was the Stoichkov <laughs> Highlight video. Stoichkov <laughs> Highlights. 24, All the great 24. goals. No, but, but look, you got to be fair, Mike. In the video, he scored a lot of great goals, but he also set up a lot of goals. Had great assists, exactly. So, so it was not just the video of your goals, Christoph. Okay? No, no, no. And, and what we all saw was that at Barcelona, so many times... The team understood how to make one more pass to make an easy goal, right? Happens. Yeah. Happens and, and, in the and middle, the, at the back post. Yes. You know, that, that little that ability to play the ball on the ground across between the line of the defense and the goalkeeper so that now the striker could score the easy goal, all right? I, I remember, Mr., the, the, the first goal in the soldier field, the movement, the, the ante, the ante, remember, And the first goal, I'm I'm moving the mid the midfielder, Peter Novak passing the ball in, in ante. Or Diego Gutierrez puts one ball in the front. Ante Razov going the left and push the ball from the, 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 the goalkeeper. I'm come behind and score the left foot. Ante, remember this goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was uh uh I think this was uh the uh, open cup versus Miami. Contra Miami, no. uh, Copa Abierto. No, 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 no. No? It's the, it's the league. It's the league. The league. first mile goal, the, the first mile goal in the league. After, after Dallas, the second game, the second game I'm playing, well, play, play, I don't know, 20 minutes after that red, red card in Kansas City. The first game in the, in the home, because I remember the first three games, Play outside. Yes, first in, in Dallas. The fourth game, yeah, and after that, play in, in the home. Okay, no, no problem in, in, in the, the, the goal, but is, is the movement. I, I'm watching the, the interesting movement in the Dima, the Josh, the Dante. This is, is very important, mister, the, the work every day. Yo estaba muy contento de ver 
Mr. Como estaba preparando cada día en entrenamientos. He was very happy to see how you were prepared, coach, for the training sessions. Porque Mr. le gustaba mucho de explicar cómo tenemos que hacer en hora de entrenamiento. That you liked explaining exactly what you had to do at the moment of, of the training session. Y cuando nosotros salimos para calentar, siempre estamos pensando qué tenemos que hacer. O sea, yo hablaba mucho con los jóvenes. Peter hablaba con los jóvenes. Esto tenemos que hacer. Este movimiento, este pase. Cuando yo voy por arriba, tú vas para abajo. Estas cosas, Mister, le decía antes de comenzar un entrenamiento y los jóvenes sí captaban esto para que día de entrenamiento tenía que hacerlo perfectamente bien porque sábado y domingo tiene que ser fácil. So before every training session while they were warming up is what I understand you were explaining coach to all these players the movements over and over again what needed to happen and Risto appreciate that so much because it was driven in their minds so much that when Come game day, Saturday, Sunday, the youngsters knew exactly what to do. Me recuerdo mucho, Nico, de unos entrenamientos que hacemos haciendo el posición de balón. Cuatro contra dos, cuatro contra tres, cuatro contra cuatro con dos comodines. Y muchas veces Mr. paraba balón porque tenemos un chico ucraniano, el Dima Kovalenko, que corría detrás de balón y nunca tenía posición. <laughs> so I think you got that one. He it was explaining his ball positioning. You guys would do 4v4, 4v2 in Kovalenko. It seems like he was never positioned in the right spot and you had to stop the training to, to correct it a little bit. Dima just used to chase the ball. Wherever the ball went, Dima would chase the ball like a dog. And then eventually we would have to grab him and stop him and say, stop running after the ball, Dima. Sometimes yeah. just stop running. Right, Christo? Yeah. Yeah, yo creo que, Mister, esto es fundamental en este grupo. Que los, los veteranos o, o jugadores que tenías más experiencia le damos esta tranquilidad, sobre todo en hora de trabajar. O sea, a mí, te digo de verdad, yo después de salir a Barcelona me fui a, a, a Japón, después no sé dónde fue, pero disfruté en Chicago tanto y le puedo. Digamos, yo sigo queriendo en Chicago más que nadie porque disfruté mucho. Es de ver un equipo competitivo, un equipo lleno de, de jugadores jóvenes que tenían un futuro, pero también dependía mucho de ellos cómo se van a adaptar cada día para jugar bien. So he thinks that one of the most fundamental parts to all of this was how the veterans of the team exuded this tranquility. And when it came time to work, they had that calmness. And he enjoyed his time at Chicago so much. He says that he went abroad to, to Japan um, and, and other places, but he enjoys his time at Chicago more than anybody else because it was really a competitive team. And, and he had young players around him with a future, but it was with your help, coach, that, that they were able to adapt and become great players. Uh, we worked. Yeah. I, Mike, you, Mike when, when you saw Christo and some of the veterans with the young guys, what, what, what do you remember from that? Yeah, you know, everybody spoke uh, a little bit of a different language. Nobody's English was perfect. Matt Christo, you know, Peter was okay, Lubos. It was broken English, but uh, you know, the young kids had talent. The young kids had a, a hunger to learn. You know, I think Bob, what, what Christo's saying is, is Bob created the environment to set up the trainings and, and some of the ideas. But Christo and Peter uh, and Lubos, what they were able to do with Ante and Josh and Bocanegra was a young guy then and, and Demarcus, they could communicate with them about the game and, and those guys were sucking it up like a sponge. Uh, they were open to it, and, and they could quickly adapt and, and use the ideas that these guys were explaining. And then, like he said, the, the, the trainings became more and more competitive, but it was with football. It was fun. The guys loved it. And so it was, uh, 
mutual respect, but very competitive. And the level just kept, kept growing as we went along. Yeah, sí, Mike, yo, yo creo que esto, Mike, también dependía mucho de los jugadores jóvenes porque querían hacer historia en este club. Porque era una liga, digamos, cuatro años después de comenzar que Chicago Fire ya tenía ese equipo tan, tan importante, ¿no? Entonces, los jugadores jóvenes llegaban, ¿tú te recuerdas, eh, Mister y, y Ante? Llegaban casi tardes en entrenamiento. Nosotros muchas veces hablamos con ellos que tienen que estar mínimo 40 minutos o 45 minutos antes de entrenamiento. ¿Qué podemos desayunar juntos? ¿Podemos tomar un café juntos? Estar más tiempo dentro del vestuario. Y esto fue fundamental que Mister también apoyó en, en, en este acercamiento entre los jugadores de, de, de equipo para estar más juntos. So he says that the young players, they wanted to make history on this team just four years after the league came into fruition. Uh, he saw these youngsters at first coming in late and Risto would get close to them and, and, and talk to them and say, you know what, you guys need to be 40 to 45 minutes before training starts. And in a way, maybe we can have breakfast together to create that locker room environment. And one of the people that really drove that along with, with Sochka was, was Coach Bob Bradley. He wanted, okay. us there, he wanted us to come early to show us his videotape. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we had a good environment. And uh, Ante, we also had, if I remember right, at least seven left footers. Is that right? Yeah, so that was going to be the one thing I wanted to add is, Risto, recuerdas algunas veces cuando el titular sale con como seis, siete, o ocho zurdos en el equipo. ¿Qué, qué significa? Carlos Bucanegra. Juan. Uh, Peter Novak. De Marcos Bisley, I don't know, left or right. Left. 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 Diego Guterres. Yeah, four. Five. Six. Lubos Kubik. Seven. Seven. <laughs> Even two coaches with the Mike. Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Jeffries and and Daryl was left footed too. Mike, and Mike Smith, Daryl, Daryl, Yes, Dennis right footed, <laughs> but you know. Easy, so we easy had, game, Mister. E easy training session. <laughs> I also remember that sometimes, once a week, everyone would like that after the warm up, we just make two small possession games, maybe four versus four plus one, right? just for a little bit of sharp possession. And I would let you guys figure out who went in which game. That was two games. And you guys, Cristo and Ante and Peter and Chris Armas, you would sort of take over one game. And you would never, ever let Lubos in your game. You know why? <laughs> I don't Mike knows why. How come Lubos was never in that game, Mike? All he wanted to do is make nutmeg tunnels. <laughs> it was just fun for him. He wasn't serious. Lubos no. try every so so Christo in the How first many nutmegs in a in a oh my god keep away session he'd count one two five yes <laughs> Christo in the first season before you were there one time in our own uh, penalty area. Lubos tries to nutmeg someone on the other team and it doesn't work and the other team gets a chance. So we're doing the video and now when we get to this play, I'm so angry. So I say to, Chris, uh, to Lubos, listen, man, you know why you, if you were in Europe, you would never try that. You know why you try that here? And he goes, why? And I go, because you think all the players on the other team are no good. So you can try anything you want. And Lubos goes, no, that's not the reason. And I go, okay, what's the reason? He goes, sometimes I just can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when we make those little possessions, you guys never let Lubos play with you. As good as he was, you said go in the other game. I, I don't know. Maybe Mr. El, el, el Polish Czechoslovakia is, is tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lubos is one yeah. of the best guys. He got along with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. So, so Christo, uh, at the end of the season in 2000, 
one of the things that you did, and it was still for me one of the most special moments, is you asked me if I would come to Barcelona. And so I spent time in Barcelona and we watched the training and we went to the different games. But we also, the one day we met Johan Cruyff for lunch. And it was one of the most incredible things for me because first, uh, you loved Johan. You know, you treated him like he was your father with such respect. Uh, I'll never forget that. And then, uh, you know, just the chance to talk football and hear his ideas. So obviously, Johan meant a lot to you. Tell everyone a little bit about your experiences with Johan. That would be great. Oh, Mr. La... Tú sabes que todos los entrenadores le tengo gran respeto menos uno. So he has respect for all his coaches except for one. Yeah. I know, you don't have to say who, don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mira, Mister, es una cosa importante cuando yo tenía 21 años y Mister Cruyff se fija de un chico de Bulgaria tan joven para que pueda llegar a ser una pieza importante para este club. Para mí significaba mucho esto de la experiencia que yo viví con, con Mister. So he says that it was important that when he was 21 that somebody like Johan Cruyff saw a young Bulgarian kid and it meant so much to him that he considered Hariso an important piece for Barcelona. Cuando un entrenador, desde el primer día, cuando yo entro en vestuario y hace la primera charla conmigo. So when I go into the locker room and a coach speaks to me for the first time as my manager inside of the locker room. Dice, mira Cristo, tú estás en Barcelona porque yo quiero trabajar contigo y quiero que ganes Balón de Oro. Esas son las palabras wow. que para mí toda la vida seré agradecido. Y cuanto el diablo de Johan Cruyff <laughs> es muy emocionante. So, when they were in the locker room, he says, look, Rizzo, I want you at Barca because I want you to win the Ballon d'Or. And those are the words that stuck with him the most. And he was so thankful. And speaking of Johan Cruyff, gives him goosebumps. Entrenaba muchas veces conmigo solo, me cerraba solo, enseñarme cosas importantes en el fútbol, tanto por izquierda, tanto por la derecha, tanto por medio. Muchas veces me cerraba con Michael Laudrup a las solas, solo para recibir balones y terminar el juego, terminar a marcar un gol. So, he trained by himself with Risto and taught him so much down the left, down the right, down the middle. He would have sessions with Laudrup and Risto alone and serve them balls so they could just finish off plays. Porque esto que estábamos hablando antes, que no es importante de ganar un partido, es importante cómo vas a entrenar durante la semana. It's not important. Winning the game is not important. What's most important is how you train during the week. Por eso son las cosas que yo viví con este gran club, con Barcelona. Y de verdad que yo, yo personalmente estaba tan contento cuanto pudimos llegar con, con Mr. Con Mr. Bob Bradley, porque yo jamás le he dicho el nombre. Siempre digo Mr. A, a Mr. Porque tengo un gran respeto. Y cuando se sentan con, con, con Johan Cruyff, veo las caras de felicidad de la gente que han venido de Estados Unidos para estar con el Vancouver. So, those are some of the things that he experienced and he was so happy when both of his misters and he made a point that he always called you mister and, and, and Johan Kroos, you were both his, his coaches. When you guys sat together and you could see on the side of, of the, the Barcelona staff, the, the expressions of happiness that people from the United States were interested and they came to talk to, to them. Yeah, that was pretty special. I, and, and Ante, in some ways, obviously, Christo's experiences with Barcelona between not only the tape, but just the, the conversations and things that happened on the field, in some ways, we all felt like 
you know, we, we, we were touched a little bit by Barcelona by having Cristo around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, we, you couldn't help but uh, feel, first of all, the presence of the man, right? Uh, and what he brought from Barcelona um, gave us a sensation because we were all Barcelona fans, first and foremost. Uh, and now we had uh, a, a big player in our midst. And as a young kid, uh, yes, the, these guys were a, a massive influence on us. I can't say we listened every time, which he was uh, – uh, you, can, you can explain that to him, Nico, as well. But we, uh, we, we watched and we were very observant as a young group. And uh, to add these little Barcelona things into something that we watched, because we, we saw him play on TV before – uh, and to now feel it, because you could actually feel it on the training field and in the games, uh, was, was something really nice that we were able to experience. A mí me daba igual ganando Balón de Oro, ganando Bota de Oro, Champions League y todo esto. Esto es agua pasada. A mí más que me interesaba, cuando yo veo que una persona como Mister te quiere a, a Chicago Fire, yo tengo que dar máximo de mí a que no le puedo a, 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 a hacer las cosas mal. En contrario, yo tengo que estar acerca de Mister. Yo tengo que estar jugadores más jóvenes que estaban en aquel momento. Y para mí era fácil hablar con, con Ante porque hablamos nuestro idioma. Croata, búlgaro, es, es serbio, es, es más o menos igual. <coughs> con Dima Kubalenko, con Peter Novak hablamos en ruso, no entendíamos. Con Diego Guterres, Carlos Bucanegra. Con Mike hablábamos en español, entendían todo. Cris Armas entendía español. Entonces, era, era todo muy fácil. Era todo muy fácil. So, he says that it was very clear to me. Everything, the Ballon d'Or, the Champions League, that was all in the past. What interested him the most was that you, coach, wanted him. You wanted him, and that made Risto give the best in himself. He knew that he couldn't do things poorly. So he needed to reach out in, in whichever way that, that he could talk to Ante. I know that language is similar. He, he talked to you in, in that Bulgarian, Serbian, Croatian mix. No, his English was good. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> no, no. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Mister, I speak, speak uh, it's Ante. A, it's, an important, it's, it's an important thing that he says because if you actually think about it, uh, for sure we created uh, – a language that probably doesn't exist on earth with uh, Croatian, Serbian, Russian, Polish, got Czech, God knows what was going on, Spanish, all mixed in. I can't imagine what the opposition on the field in the games, when you had all of this going on, I, I can't, you know, what were they thinking? Like, what, what the hell are these guys talking about? I can't understand anything because one word of the sentence, Spanish, then Czech, then Polish, then Russian, then something else, some Bulgarian, and you're, they must have just been, their heads were Mister, Mister, football se juega con pie, no se habla. Exactly. Football's the language. It, it was an interesting locker room. And, and look, as much as everyone got along, on the inside of the locker room, there were tough moments. It was not, it was competitive. There were hard conversations. It was not, a, was not just meant for anybody, probably, right? No, no. Uh, one, you had to be alert. There was always something going on, something clever, something funny, or a joke. But uh, after practice, or and especially after a game, you know, in the shower or just in the locker room, but even on the field, th there would be uh, some interesting discussions and disagreements. Um, but in the end, everybody knew we were trying to get to the same place. Everybody wanted, knew that we had talent. There were a lot of smart guys there. Had a lot of good leadership from, from Cristo and Peter and Lubos. Uh, but the young guys, like I said, were just growing at a rapid pace. And it, it created a football di dynamic that I think was, was really special, entertaining, fun to play, fun to watch. Uh, so it was, like Ante said, it was really unique. Le digo, Mr. ¿Cómo es posible? que un, dos horas antes del partido podíamos beber Coca-Cola o, o, o comer un cheeseburger, doble cheeseburger y, y, y papas fritas. ¿no? Pero esto fue en los primeros cambios que Mister ha hecho cuando estamos concentrados que vamos a comer juntos 
sea, comemos eh, chicken, comemos carne, comemos espagueti, comemos arroz, comemos una sopa. Era algo importante para, para el equipo que estaba juntos. So one of the things that you changed, coach, I'm pretty sure you guys understood it, but it struck them the most when two hours before the game, the youngsters were eating a double cheeseburger, french fries, they were having a Coke, and he was like, how is it possible? And, and you brought along one of those first changes where in camp you guys would eat together, have some spaghetti, rice, or soup. We tried to change it, you know. Peter was not the best when it came to nutrition. So, <laughs> it wasn't just the young guys. You know, sometimes I'd look at Peter's plate and there was, there was nothing green on the plate. So I'd take a little piece of parsley off of the potatoes and I'd put it on Peter's plate so he'd have something green on his, on his plate. But uh, no, look, we, we worked together to try to raise the standards for how we worked, how we trained, nutrition. But it was a special group. And, you know, inside for, for the younger players, for the American players, the experiences around the other players with, uh, who had been outside the U.S. and had played for their national teams. You know, Christo, obviously, in 94 for Bulgaria, was so good in the World Cup. For those players to come to Chicago and, and for us to make a, a team that had so many uh, different players with different backgrounds. I, I think every one of the American players to this day knows that that was an important time in their career. Can I interject here? I want to ask the guys a question, Mike and Ante, because I get to share a locker room with Risto, but I'm a millennial and like many millennials watching this, they probably didn't see Risto play. I've seen his goals on YouTube. I've watched Risto's goals with Risto. But I think you guys that saw him play live games, that you guys knew he was coming to your team, you guys really knew. It was really the magnificent, how big this guy was. It, it was like a magnified force coming to Chicago. And I don't think I can ever understand you guys really can. And, and having Riso as a teammate at Tudene, there's jokes. We laugh. I can't even begin to imagine what it was like 20 years ago in the locker room. Look, he was special. You know, uh, I was fortunate to, to play for the national team and, and play in the World Cup in 94. And, you know, I got to play against Valderrama. I got to play against Haji. And then I got to play against Romario and Romario was incredible. He could think so fast. His, his touch was, was so soft and so perfect, and, but he was so quick and so fast. Um, and now I come to Chicago. And so I used to, <laughs> Stoichkov was older then. He wasn't as young as Romario was in the 94 World Cup. But I used to say to Cristo, are, who's faster, you or Romario? And he would say, Mike, in the first 18 yards, Romario has the lead. From the end line to the 18th, Romario has the lead. But by the time we get to half field, Stoichkov wins the race. <laughs> he was quick. He was powerful. His brain operated at a different level. So quick, so clever. And, and then he had the skill to go with it. You know, we used to joke. His left foot was like a bag of uh, golf clubs. He could use every iron in the bag. Wow. Uh, so he had touch, yet he could, he could ping a ball across the field. I think Bob has a story about that. But then he could just fly down the left side. Ante would fly to the back post, and he would just shape a ball across, and Ante would just tap it in uh, at the back post. So. Yeah, it was, uh, he was incredible. You know, there's, there aren't a lot of players even today, uh, but back then either, that it was, it was a special, a special individual is the best way to describe it, on the field and off the field. In my experience, you know, in the locker room, uh, there were a lot of things that probably could not be shown in this day and age and, and spoke about. It they was, can now because the last dance had it with the Bulls. So we had, yes. the, we had our own version I mean, going on. At Bill the Beans. Fair <laughs> enough. It was a running circus in there. And like Mike said, if you shut off for just five seconds, 
something was gonna something was gonna get you one way or another. And we operate on the field in that manner as well, where we were so in tune with each other, where just a look of the eye, one turn of the head, a point here, point there. It was uh, it w in a way you can say it was symphony for us at our level. Uh, me personally, so when I get when we when we get Stoichkov, and at that point in my lead, uh, point in my career, you know, I'm a very uh, strong-headed young player at this point. I take it as okay. I have a guy now who can literally put the ball anywhere he wants, anytime he wants. Uh, I was a willing runner to go to these places to get to get on the end of these goals. So I knew that was going to be there. Those were going to be a low-hanging fruit for me, right? So I was really excited about it. But there was one other part of it where I was so motivated. I go, okay, here comes a world-famous player. I want to prove myself. I am going to not let him outscore me. Honestly, I'm being very honest right now. I was going to push myself and prove to him in his – so in his eyes, I would be accepted as a, an equal. Entonces, los movimientos de antes eran diferentes de todos los delanteros centros aquí en, en esta liga y por esto triunfó porque su mentalidad era de tocar balón o con primer toque de marcar gol y hoy muy pocos delanteros centros tienen, tienen esta calidad que tenían antes aquí entonces So he says Ante, that you were that typical center forward that helped the team that you were so young and you would understand the advice that, that players like Riso gave to you. And he, you either needed to open up the space once they would come to you and your movements were so different than any other player in the league, your mentality to either touch the ball and go or score on your first touch. There, there weren't many players in the league like that. Era un jugador cuando tenía opción de jugar con primer toque él siempre se adelantaba a la defensa porque la defensa no estaba seguro si antes controlaba balón o no. Entonces, cuando un delantero centro está con tal mentalidad que tiene que marcar gol, él por esto, antes, ¿cuántos goles marcaste el primer año? ¿20? Uh, 20. Uh, 18. 18 yeah. goles. And, yeah. 18 goles, seguramente 10 o 12 goles ha metido con primer toque. ¿Por qué? Porque era muy listo. Esto so algo, uh -huh. Por eso le ha hecho algo diferente en su carrera deportiva, tanto a Selección y tanto a Chicago. So, the greatest thing, probably the greatest quality that he's mentioning is that if you could do it first touch, you did it. And, and you would anticipate the defensive lines, you were one step ahead of them. Out of those 18 goals, he asked you how many of those were first touch goals, probably of the majority yeah no it was something that i understood first of all uh and it, it, it would lead into an interesting football discussion if we get to it because of today's where you know playing one touch is not something we we do do that much and we allow the players to figure that out for themselves but in in the moment i quickly figured out if i can get the ball to Cristo or peter and then open the space if i was going to be the open guy the ball was coming back and so I just wanted to get the ball to them and then get into an area because if, if, if I'm open, the ball's coming, and I wasn't one to want to, like, dribble all the way to the line of the goal. I, I knew I was a good shooter, and once I got it in the position, there was no thinking. It was actually just it's going in, and, and that's it. And so, uh, it, uh, you know, when you have <laughs> players that can deliver the ball on a dime, uh, I don't want to be the one uh, – Messing about, taking three, four, five touches, losing the ball. So I give it to them, and then I move. We had so many guys that understood the game. And so the, the level of the discussions, uh, they were very good. And, and then even the little games when training was over, um, sometimes guys would make, set up the little goals and just keep playing for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. That's where they'd always let Michael jump in, and, and he was – 12 or 13 years old, my son, but he would, he would get his experience playing in some little games with these guys um, because no matter what, the game was going to be played the right way, and, and, and they loved that part. So, you know, it was a smart group of players. 
and 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 when you had a chance to coach them or work with them, it made it it made it that much more exciting because so many guys had ideas about the game. Yeah, Nico, yo quiero quiero preguntar, Mister, ¿qué diferencia podemos ver desde entonces cuando primeros años él comienza como entrenador de Chicago Fire y de hoy? ¿Hay alguna diferencia? En la liga. Huh. So, coach, you want to ask you what difference do you see in the league from when you coach the fire to now? Well, I know the fire would still be a good team. There was no two <laughs> ways about that. We had good players. We had the right mentality. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that we took pride uh, in with the fire was from the beginning, I think we had as a team an identity. Uh, we had a connection with the city of Chicago. Uh, but I don't think all teams had identities. Um, and as time goes on, I think you see a little bit more. I mean, we're proud that uh, at LAFC, we also have an identity. We have a connection with the city of Los Angeles. A lot of the experiences that I had in Chicago uh, helped me. And, and that's the reason that Mike and Ante, it was so great for them to be part of things in LAFC because the experiences in Chicago helped us when we were trying to uh, build our team at LAFC. Risto, ¿sabes de LAFC? ¿Qué piensas del equipo hoy en día de, de Bob? <laughs> A mí me gusta mucho el, el, el equipo de tener una, una dinámica diferente de otros equipos. El diferente de, de este movimiento es porque el balón va muy rápido. Y esto significa que el equipo trabaja físicamente bien. Equipo es muy compacto y no depende solo de Carlos Vela. O sea, Carlos Vela es muy importante de marcar tantos goles, capitán, pero también para marcar tantos goles necesitas un equipo muy competitivo. Y de verdad que el Mister tiene un, un equipo, sabe ya de competir, no solo de ganar un partido. Sabe de competir un partido detrás de otro, detrás de otro, detrás de otro. Y esto para los jugadores, y sobre todo de Mike y de, y de Ante, que, que están dentro del vestuario, le pueden explicar mucho más qué significa para vestir una camiseta. No poner número 10, o número 8, o número 9, o número 14, o da igual. ¿Qué significa de, de tener el escudo, de defender una ciudad de defender un club. Esto es muy importante en trabajo de, de Mister que hasta hoy ha hecho con, con, con equipo. So he likes the team. It's a different dynamic. Uh, and he can tell that it's different. The movements come the way they do because the ball moves fast. Um, and he can tell that the team works hard physically, that it's a compact team and it, it doesn't only depend on Vela. He's important, he's a captain, he scores goals, but to score that many goals, you need to have a very competitive team. <clears throat> and the team, not, they don't only just compete. And it's not just about winning one game. This team has learned how to win game after game after game and compete and compete and compete. And, and that's a thing that Ante and Mike can show to, to the younger players. Uh, because it's something that you guys learned from so many years back. And, and I think this goes back to what Coach was saying, that it's about the badge, defending a team and defending a city, that identity that, that this team has formed. He's right. Um, it's a special group also that we have here with LAFC. And, you know... Chris we, we, we don't have the experience that Chicago had, but, no, no, but, but we also... Yeah. We, we also understand that, and, and, and maybe we can press a little bit more, but, but, you know, the balance. So there's differences as well, don't you think, Mike? For sure, as far as that experience part and, and having um, the, the number of uh, older players with World Cup experience and, and that talent level. We have younger players with talent, uh, for sure, and, and Carlos would be the one guy that could fit in Cristo or Peter or Lubos's category. But uh, what Cristo keeps talking about is it's not – look, the, the, the game 
is the most fun part. And that's where you're under the spotlight and everybody's going to see it. But the most important part that we learned in Chicago, and, and I think that we apply here with, with Mr., is that every day in practice, we can get better and we can work at little details and, and we can find different ways to work on it. And, you know, at breakfast, after practice, there's little conversations with the coaches. There's little video sessions. There's a whole lot uh, that we work on and work at and discuss with the players in the same way we did in Chicago. And when you have smart players, uh, they soak up the information and, and you start to see the development of those players. You see them improve, but then collectively it gets better as a group when, when they believe that, that everybody's in it together and it's not just uh, for the individual, but it's for the team. Then it, then it really starts to become something special. Yo me recuerdo el momento más difícil de nuestro grupo es cuando llegamos a la final en, en DC y perdimos contra Kansas City. Vamos a un partidazo donde no sé cómo Tony Miolo paró tantas ocasiones, pero bueno, llegamos a la final. De perder la final, dentro de cuatro o cinco días tenemos que jugar la final de Open Cup. Yo creo que era el momento más difícil de grupo de levantar en ánimo para estos jugadores y decir, mira, partido acabó, hay que ganar este final porque jugamos en la casa. Y yo creo que también jugamos un gran partido contra, contra Miami Fusion. Ganamos 2-1 de ganar la Copa después de perder la final, pero yo era muy feliz, muy contento, satisfecho que llegamos a la final, y a veces se gana y a veces se pierde, pero de ganar la, la Open Cup también te da un espíritu que este equipo sabe levantarse después de perder un partido, después de perder la final. Esto fue fundamental para el grupo y sobre todo para Mister de saber que perder un partido, próximo partido le vamos a ganar porque nuestra mentalidad era de ganar, de ganar, de ganar. Y esto fue so, fundamental. He remembers probably the hardest time that the team had We when, all remember that, Nico. Oh. <laughs> no, I bet. I but every one of us remembers that. In fact, Nico, I tell you what happened. 27 times shoot the goal. 27 times. <laughs> but here's what happened. Now we lost. It was a tough game. We're all... And we fly back to Chicago. And we, we go to Lake Forest. And I was still mad, so the first thing I did is always I take the tape and I put it in, and as the players are getting dressed, I'm watching the tape. And so now some of the players are sitting down and they're watching too, and now there's plays where we have chances. And finally, I, I looked around and I realized showing this tape was the worst thing I could ever do. So I stopped the tape, took it out of the machine, threw it in the garbage, and said, okay, we go to the field. So we went out on the field and we made small goals. And I swear we played for like two hours. We played until we got every bit of frustration out on the field in this little game. Guys were yelling at each other. But at the end of two hours, we picked up the little goals. We went in and I knew for sure we'd win in the Open Cup final. Yeah. Era importante, Misterio. De verdad. Siempre recordé esta final. Eh, yo jamás, jamás ha tenido tanto, tantas oportunidades, un equipo de tener tantas oportunidades y de no marcar un gol. Tantos y tantos. No sé si eran 22, 27 veces que chutamos en la portería y no quiso entrar y al final perdimos. Pero bueno, esto es parte del fútbol. Es fútbol. Exactly. But let me, let me just jump to one more thing, Chris. I know we're getting near the end, but uh, 2016, you sent me a message and you asked, <laughs> no, it was a special thing for me. You, you said that, would I come to Sofia, that there was going to be a celebration game for you that you were making in Sofia because you were going to be 50 years old and you brought so many big players. Uh, you had the dream team and your Bulgarian teammates on your side. Uh, I coached the other team. Uh, 
Maldini, Jean-Pierre Papin, Scalacci. Yes. Um, but this, this event, uh, and it was incredible because you, you honored your teammates. You honored Johan Cruyff. Uh, it was raining. There were still 40,000 people. Uh, that was incredible. That was really special. Mira, Misterio, te agradezco de esta llamada porque yo considero, primero, gran amigo, una persona que siempre me ha respetado, siempre yo te he respetado. Por eso yo creo que en el fútbol no acaba hoy. Por eso yo quería que Mr. Bob Bradley sea entrenador de equipo mundial. Si Johan Cruyff estaba ahí, vivo, que descanse en paz, también estaba Johan Cruyff. Si estaba Bob, uh, Bobby Robson, también estaba Bobby Robson, que descanse en paz. Pero tú como persona merecías de estar, y te le agradezco, porque después de 2000 hasta hoy, son 20 años, Tenemos oportunidad de hablar por teléfono, tenemos oportunidad de estar juntos. Y esto para mí es algo muy importante, no solo en el fútbol. Por esto, el día, el, el 20 de mayo 2016, yo quería que tú estás presente en esta fiesta. Yo quería que tú vives durante este vestuario, durante la gente, porque tú fuiste mi entrenador. Y yo esto no me olvido. Por esto... Muchas gracias. So he was very thankful for that call. He considers you a great friend. He always respected you. You always respected him. And he realizes that soccer doesn't end the day that the ball stops rolling. Um, and he knew that he wanted Bob Bradley to be the world team's coach that day. And if Johan Cruyff was alive, he was going to be there. If Bobby Robson was alive, he was going to be there. And, and 20 years onwards, he's thankful that he was able to talk to you on the phone and invite you on that 20th of May 2016 because he wanted you to be present and, and experience that type of locker room yourself and he's always thankful that, that you were that you were his coach. Well hey Christo for Ante and for Mike and for all of us, you know we we appreciate that that the the friendship that started uh, in Chicago continues today. And so during a time when you know, we're all uh, trying to help each other fight through the virus and there's no football. Uh, hopefully, the conversation today, some of the stories, some of the things that we, we all shared, hopefully that's something that other people can appreciate. But, you know, we all, uh, we all uh, shared great experiences and nobody can ever take those experiences away. So thanks, my man. Chicago Fire, de los bomberos, de los soldiers. Chicago Fire, the firefighter, the soldiers. Thank you, Mr. Thank you so much. Crystal, great man. Thank you. 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 Thank you.